When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, episode 171, and this will be brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. We are on holiday, so this was recorded a few days ago, but still, it was time to wrap up Barcelona in the last decade. I'm Dan Hilton. Of course, I needed Frances Tomas to help me with this special show we have. We are going to be drafting our teams of the decade. And so I want to start with some ground rules. Uh, first, I want to say, how are you doing, Frances? Are you ready to do this? I, I think one of our teams might be better than the other, uh, but I'm not going to give anything away. Well, whoever picks Messi has an advantage. Um, I think that's fairly clear. Welcome, everyone, to the pod once again. Um, Bon dia, buena tarde, buena nit, depending on where in the world you are. Um, I'm really hyped up. I've never done a draft in my life, um, <laughs> ever. I know this is a very American thing to do. I'm, new, I'm a newbie to this, so I hope that I make it justice. Okay, so the only worry we've had, actually, to let people uh, under the hood a little bit, the only issue we might have with this show is that Francesca and I seem to not be able to agree on the rules and stipulations of this. So the teams (laughs) that we put out might actually be warped by the rules that we set. Some of the ground rules that I've tried to put out, well, Francesca already mentioned it about Messi. So I did win the coin toss uh, backstage. So yes, I do get Messi with the first overall pick, but then Francesca does get the second and third pick. So he'll get to create something uh, on his own with the second and third best of the decade. And then I'll get four and five and we'll go back and forth until we have two teams 
of 11. So here's where Francesca and I are going to be a little different here for those listeners or those who might see it on Twitter. Those silly fools might not know and they're going to be responding with, uh, with, with malarkey. But you, the listeners, will know that the thing that I and how I drafted the team that I'm going to pick is by speaking of the entire length of the decade. So we're only getting Xavi from this decade. We're not getting all of Xavi. But, I mean, yes, still Xavi for the now 2010 to 2015 that he was with Barca this decade. Still pretty good and still a midfielder that is going to be taken pretty high. Because I would take 2010, 11, 12, 13 Xavi. If not for Messi, I'd take him pretty high. So I don't want to give you <laughs> your second pick, Frances. But So it's not all of Xavi. It is nearly this decade of Xavi, uh, which, again, is still pretty good. So I, I think we're the way we're going to do it is... if. This is Barcelona, so we're, we're going with a 4-3-3. None of that uh, Ernesto Valverde 2018 4-4-2 garbage. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go with the 4-3-3. I thought you were going to say 20 defenders, no midfielders, no attackers. <laughs> no, no. We both get a goalkeeper. It's going to be a left back, right back, two uh, center backs. Uh, and I think uh, it's a good place to start with Lionel Messi. So, Frances, it was an easy first overall pick for me. Five-time Ballon d'Or winner. I know you say that award doesn't matter, but I think it matters when it comes to Lionel Messi. Six European golden shoes in the decade. This is just in the decade I'm mentioning, because uh, obviously he has won six, but five of them came this decade. Six European golden shoes this decade. And from 2010 to 2019, he was a seven-time La Liga best player. And not only is he Barcelona's best player, but I think this was a decade, just to speak briefly about Messi, this was a decade when he went from obviously he didn't have much of last decade but he he went at the beginning of this decade into being one of the best players in the world on this really really good team in his early 20s to now considerably i'd say probably the best player we've ever seen and that happened in the course of these 10 years where he just became a legend and really he had almost been a legend by the time he was 23 24 but at now over the age of 30 we are starting to recognize and realize that we will never see anything like this again Yep, agreed. Um, I thought that you were going to pick Messi as your first pick. Um, <laughs> obviously, no, no surprises there. Um, I've been, I never really prepared for the shows, but I've written some names down. And uh, I think my first pick for my team is going to be Neymar. I think that basically he should have been and probably he still will be Messi's heir moving forward. Um, I think that he was the reason why Barca won the Champions League in 2015 scored in pretty much every knockout game, um, even in the final for that for that year. And um, I think my team needed some firepower up front. And I think Neymar is is magical. He's unpredictable. And certainly around, you know, the years he was at Barca, but around 2015, he was virtually unstoppable. I still remember the game against PSG with the 6-1, which Neymar pretty much, I know Roberto scored the last goal, but um, it, was, it was Neymar's doing. So certainly my first pick. And then, and at risk at breaking something here, I don't want to give too much away. I'm going to choose Iniesta. Um, Andres Iniesta, the, you know, el blanquito creador, you know, el maestro. He, he's just out of this world. During the decade, he continued to grow and grow. Obviously, 2010, leading Spain, scoring the last minute for the World Cup, you know, the only World Cup that Spain have won. And who knows, maybe they will ever win. Um, and, you know, from a Barca perspective, being central to everything and every, everyone, you know, contributing to everyone's success as well. Unpredictable in terms of dribbling, in terms of spacing, understanding the game, being able to pace himself and everybody around them. So I'm going to start my team by attacking. So it's going to be Neymar and Iniesta for me. You know, the minute you said Neymar, I, I, my grin was ear to ear. 
Frances, because that means that my pick has to be, and before I do mention his, his midfield partner, that being Iniesta's, Iniesta was a great pick. Obviously, I didn't think he would ever fall to me. There was no way you weren't picking Iniesta either, se- either second or third, regardless of who you had picked with your second pick. Because Iniesta in that decade, you're right. He was part of the six La Ligas, five Copa del Reyes, two Champions Leagues for him in the decade. He was once the UEFA best player in Europe, three top four Ballon d'Or finishes, five UEFA team of the years, four La Liga best attacking midfielders, and one UEFA best player in Europe. And again, those are individual awards that are voted on committees and whatever it is. But for Iniesta to be the guy that he is, to play the way he plays, where I mean, just on a team even with Messi. Think about the awards that he got even over Messi because of just the impact he had on certain seasons. He was the metronome. He's what, uh, even though Xavi was much more the metronome with the pace of the game, uh, just the magic that Iniesta was. Uh, I, I think my image of the decade, believe it or not, I, I, while the Sergio Roberto in, in the Remontada is certainly one of those, and obviously I think the three Neymar, MSN running off for that Champions League, uh, as well as I also think of Eric Albidal. Uh, I don't want to give away a, a guy that's going to be named, I bet, later on in the show. But I also think of Eric Albidal raising the Champions League trophy after Puyol just handed it to him. That's another one of those images from the decade. But for me, my image of this decade is actually Iniesta in the middle of the Camp No, all by himself with his shoes off pl- after playing his last match at the Camp No. Uh, it, is, it gives me goosebumps to think about that image, not because of it was the end, but because it reminds you of just what you saw. And I think for me, uh, and I think a lot of individuals my age that I didn't realize, I think we all knew, again, all these Ballon d'Ors by the age of 23, we knew what we were seeing with Messi. I don't think because of Xavi and Busquets and everyone else, I don't think I realized what I was seeing with Iniesta until he was 28, 29 years old. And then I went, oh man, this guy, every single match. Uh, So certainly Iniesta, great pick there. But obviously I have to go with Xavi, even though he only gave us six seasons in the decade till 2015 that still was enough for me two Ballon d'Or third place finishes two La Liga midfielder of the years and three UEFA team of the years uh, as well as the two Champions League trophies being a part of those even though the second one he had taken a reduced role already Xavi still has to be on this team and the other guy I'm going to pick now with the fifth overall pick I'm going to have to start to reinforce my defense and by that I mean help out Messi and reinforce the attack with Danny Alves 2010 through 2016, five Ligas, three Copa del Reyes, two Champions Leagues. The, he was part of all those, two UEFA Team of the Years as well for Danny Alves. And we think that Jordi Alba and Messi are great together. We seem to forget how good Danny Alves and Messi were together. So I think I have Messi on my team, so that means I had to have Danny Alves. So right now my team is Messi, Danny Alves, and Xavi, and you have Iniesta and Neymar, and you get the next two picks. Okay, I'm going to be tactical. I'm going to continue in the same way that I started. Um, I think that because of Messi's sort of longevity throughout you know, the last 15 years, certainly this decade, um, he's always used up one of the spaces up front. Um, so I'm going to go for the two that in my eyes are the best two attackers beyond Neymar and Messi. So I'm picking Luis Suarez um, as my striker, obviously central to the you know, third top goal scorer in Barca history uh, and, and counting. So Luis Suarez um, needs no presentation. He's my striker. Yeah. And I'm going to go for Villa, David Villa mm-hmm. as well. Um, I think that uh, the combination of Villa, Neymar and Suarez up front will be incredibly powerful. Obviously, Villa central to uh, arguably the best Barca team in history in the 2011 final uh, against Man United. That I, I remember leaving that 
um, while I was in London, my brother came to visit and uh, I remember going home in the tube and Manchester United fans actually congratulating me for the win, which normally wouldn't happen. I mean, Man United fans don't congratulate anybody about anything. So <laughs> it must have been quite impressive. So I'm going for Suarez and Villa. All right. You wanted the 33 goals from David Villa. And you also, though, with Luis Suarez, you get a few more. Luis Suarez scored 140 goals in just six seasons. Uh, Luis Suarez, that being the Uruguayan one, is one of the greatest strikers that Barca has ever had. And I also want to do the same thing with him that I want to remind people about, Mes- about Iniesta with, that we might remember his last few seasons. But for Suarez, we will remember him breaking down. But please, please remember just how good he's been and just how many 30 goal seasons or 25 goal seasons he's put up because he has been such an important part of Barcelona's history uh, and one of their all-time greatest strikers. He's top five already and may continue to climb if (laughs) Valverde continues to let him play 90 minutes uh, week in and week out. So I'm glad you solidified your front three. I'll get back to the rest of uh, Messi's partners later. Uh, but now, again, I have to continue to reinforce the base and foundation. And this is Barcelona, Frances. We need better midfielders. And so I have to go with Sergio Busquets. Who else? He's still doing it for Barcelona now. Seven La Ligas, five Copa del Reyes, the two Champions League trophies. Just Xavi and Busquets. Come on. I've got two of the three. And then my <laughs> other guy there, I'm going to go to the back line. When I'm talking about the whole decade, again, this is where Frances and I differ a little bit. My defender of the decade has got to be Gerard Piquet. Between the, I'm not even talking what he did for Spain, but one Champions League team of the season. He was the, voted the Liga's best defender in 2009-2010, the first season we started this decade with. Two the Liga team of the seasons this decade as well. And then all the winning, the seven of the Ligas, five Copa del Reyes, two Champions Leagues, one UEFA Super Cup, two FIFA Club World Cups, five Spanish Super Cups with all those teammates. Because just like Busquets, he was around all decades. So I'm going with... Two guys that were around from 2010 to 2019, solidifying my midfield and my center back spot. To you. Right. Okay. Then seeing what is left, I'm going to go for Rakitic as a midfielder. Um, basically, you've taken Busquets, who is the only one that's played defensive midfielder in the whole decade, to be honest. <laughs> so I'm going to have Rakitic uh, picking up that spot because if you did take Rakitic further on, I will have to play nobody there. So that's, that's the only option you've left me there. Um, looks like you've done this drafting thing before. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe once or twice. But yeah, yeah. So I've got Rakitic there. And then I'm going to go for Puyol at the heart of defense. Yeah, um, I the, figured the lion, you the, Yep. Yeah, so um, the, the heart of Barca's defense, El Capitan, uh, El Tiburon. The, the reason why so many people fell in love with him is not... You know, it wasn't his technique... It wasn't his positioning. It wasn't his anything else but his aggressiveness, his determination, his charisma, his stamina, strength. Obviously, there was positioning as well. Um, I think he was everything that a captain should be and uh, not just what he can do on the pitch, but also off it in terms of motivation, in terms of growth, in terms of um, winning mentality and, and taking no nonsense from anybody that we saw, you know, going back to nowadays, we are lacking, really, uh, a leader like Puyol, and he has to be my team. All right, so that brings it back to me, and it's tough. I'm thinking about solidifying the defense a little more, and so my next pick is actually going to be Javier Mascherano, because you're going to need someone to, to partner with Puyol, and I thought, who else to better partner PK with the guy who replaced Puyol? And that is Javier Mascherano, who was with the club from 2010 to 2018. 
for so much of this decade. Again, don't forget, it seems like we've forgotten about Mascherano so quickly. And I guess that's a testament to how good Umtiti and Lingle have been since they came in. But 203 appearances in the decade for Barca. Only had that one goal, but did so, so much winning. So I have to go with the Argentine, Javier Mascherano. And then I also have to solidify my attack just a bit. And believe it or not, I, you know, I go back to the last episode that in hindsight, you said it yourself, there is what we call the Pedrito role. And so who else to go with on the wing but Pedrito? Uh, 99 goals for Barcelona from, uh, for his whole career, but he only played from 2010 to 2015 when he got the call up. So uh, it's, that's actually was surprising to me to see that he scored almost 100 goals in those six years because we do think of him as a sub. But Pedro was the guy. I mean, he was so useful and played in... And he really personifies a Barcelona winger. Uh, and, and so who else to, to, to put in that position than the guy that the position was named after? So my picks there are Javier Mascherano. So now I've got both my center backs, and I went with Pedrito on one of my wings. So I've got Messi and Pedro up top, and it's back to you. Okay. That makes it very easy for me then. I'm going to go for the back line. I'm picking Jordi Alba. Um, you know, needs no presentation. He has been the Danny Alves of the other side. Obviously, I think Alves associated with Messi very well when Messi was pretty much positioned as a right winger, obviously with freedom to go wherever he wanted. But since Alves' departure, I think Messi has shifted to the other side. And I think the partnership he's got with Alba is second to none in world football. Um, obviously, the Messi-Alves was also very good. So I think that's obvious, Alba. And then I'm going to pick Abidal. Um, as the centre-back. So, Abidal obviously played as a left-back and also in the centre. In my team, he would be partnered in Puyol, being able to sort of move the ball out from the back um, with a bit more criteria than Puyol would have been able to and combine it with Alba whenever needed. So, I'm going for Alba and Abidal. Yikes. <laughs> I knew. I knew that would cause that. Oh, man. A little bit of a checkmate there from, uh, from my friend Frances. <laughs> You've got so, Adriano, man, or Douglas. You can pick Douglas. I could pick Douglas, but you're right. I will eventually pick Adriano. But that one is obviously now, as you know, going to be my final pick because I'm going to have to need a left back eventually. Uh, that, means that, mm-hmm. I, that means that I won't be able to take a better player up top, but I do need to solidify the rest of that forward line and that midfield as well. But actually, you know what I'm going to do before that? I'm going to get our goalkeepers started. So I am going to actually, this decade, we only really had two picks. No offense to Claudio Bravo, but it was either Ter Stegen or Valdez. So, you know, in, they say in NFL draft, you're not supposed to take your defense or your, or your kicker too high. Well, I'm going to take my goalkeeper too high. Uh, I'm going with Ter Stegen on this one. I think he, by the time he's done, he will surpass Valdez. But I think what we saw of Valdez this decade, again, Frances and I are playing by a little bit of different rules here, but I think Marc-Andre Ter Stegen in the latter half of this decade has been the better goalkeeper than Valdez was from 2010 to 2014. And that's not to take anything away from VV as well, because he, even at the start of this decade, was still, if you remember, at the peak of his powers, two La Liga best goalkeepers for him and three Zamora trophies just to start this decade. So uh, I think, Frances, I've actually given you a pretty easy one. And I do have Messi in my team. So I'm helping you out there, <laughs> giving you a pretty <laughs> goalkeeper as well. But so I am going to take Ter Stegen with that first one. And that means I'm going to have to solidify uh, the rest of that attack. And to, to help me with that front three, it's going to have to be none other than Alexis Sanchez. 39 goals here from 2011 to 2014. Not a flashy pick. Uh, but 
alongside Messi and Pedro. I can't really complain too much about that front three. Okay, um, I've got a decision to make here then. I'm picking Sergio Roberto as a right back. Um, I don't think there's been a better version of what a right back should be for Barca um, since Dani Alves left. Um, so Sergio Roberto is my pick as a right back. And then in midfield, which is the position that I've got left, because obviously you're, you're not going to pick another goalkeeper. Right. I've got several options. <laughs> um, I, do, I just, out of principle, I do not want to beat Cesc. I know. I'm picking him. <laughs> I knew you were so going to say that. I'm, yeah, so I'm getting Frankie de Jong. So I've got Sergio Roberto as a right back and Frankie de Jong uh, as a midfield. Obviously, he hasn't played for Barca long, but he's got plenty of potential to be uh, a legendary player for us. Uh, what he's doing already this season is, is remarkable. And, you know, it looks like he's been playing for us for 20 years, um, but it's only been 20 weeks. And um, what he can give in the future is, is fantastic. So uh, Frankie de Jong completes my midfield. Okay, Frances. So, yes, again, the rules. I would have loved to take Frankie de Jong. Uh, I, I don't want to dunk on you for this decade, Frances, but when we started this show two or three years, almost three years ago at this point, I was the first one to start yelling about this kid from Ajax on the show, Frankie de Jong. So, yeah, you took him right out from under my nose. That's going to be one that I'm going to regret. But, again, I was playing by the whole decade rules, and so I'm going to cheat a little bit, too. I'm going to go to finish off my midfield three with Thiago Alcantara, because from 2010 to 2013, the promise of what he was going to bring, you saw those flashes, and sure, he had a few injuries, but uh, Thiago was, was, I think for this decade, felt like, yes, Neymar left, but I think Thiago was, felt like the one who got away, just because of what he's become at Bayern Munich. Uh, he really never became that upper, upper echelon player like Iniesta or Xavi, like we expected him to be, but I think if he had stayed at Barcelona, that that might have happened in more ways than it did with Bayern Munich. Uh, even though he was still behind Xavi and Iniesta, I think his time mm -hmm. would have come. So that I'm going to solidify my midfield. Because remember, he might be a, a defensive midfielder now, in a sense, where he plays you know, as a deep-lying playmaker. But when he was at Barcelona, he was in front of Busquets, and he played in that, in that center too. So that is where I'm going to play him, uh, in front of Busquets. And then, you know, as we said, Frances, you backed me in your corner. You outsmarted the, uh, the lack of center backs by taking Abidal. So that means that I am going to go with Adriano because, you know what? I've got Danny Alves on the other side. I had to have a weak spot somewhere in my team. Uh, and Adriano, for all that we said about him, he was not only a pretty good deputy, and I think if not for having, you know, much, much better players in front of him, then I think he would have actually been, as we saw, uh, he was a little older when he went on to move, uh, when he moved on to Turkey later on in his career. But for Barcelona, uh, he played over 114 matches. He only had nine goals in the seven seasons he was at Barca, but he had some screamers. And so I'll take, I'll take one or two goals in a season from Adriano because I thought he was a, you know, I, I, as much as you tried to back me in a corner, I think Adriano is still a pretty good uh, guy to have on my team. So before we finish up, Frances, you got the last pick, and I already told everyone who it Ew. is. <laughs> I need a goalkeeper, and it is 100% going to be Pinto. Sorry, no, um, not, not Pinto. Victor Valdez. Um, I think that uh, Pinto was Messi's best friend. Um, he felt more of a cheerleader half the time than a goalkeeper, um, especially in his later years. I think he outstayed his, um, his welcome for two or three seasons. But there you go. He was very good friends with Messi and kept him sort of centered. And, and that's why he stayed for longer. 
Uh, clearly not going to make my team, though. I think Victor Valdez is arguably the best goalkeeper in Barca history. He is exactly what a Barca keeper should be. Um, obviously, Ter Stegen, I think, is an evolution on, on Valdez, to be honest. But I think Valdez's capabilities on a one-to-one basis um, are, are world-class. And he certainly was world-class at the time. Um, never really got to be the number one for Spain. But obviously, Iker Casillas at his peak was there. So, obviously, that, that's understandable. But on a one-to-one basis, given the fact that Barca were playing in the early 2010s, uh, with plenty of space behind Puyol and Piqué in particularly, I think uh, Valdez was was incredible. So absolutely, my goalkeeper will be Victor Valdez. Yeah, so before we review these teams, I just want to go over some of the snubs. You already mentioned one of them. Neither of us picked Cesc Fabregas from 2011 to 2014, mm-hmm. played almost 100 appearances, uh, capped out at 96, 28 goals. But for the for the prodigal son, that's really what he was, right? PK had gone to Man United, but then came back to become a, a, a club legend. And Frances, uh, or <laughs> and Frances Fabregas was supposed to do the same thing, uh, sharing your namesake, but it never really happened. Unlike you, Frances, who came back as a prodigal son to the podcast, and it's been it's been <laughs> going great. Uh, Cesc Fabregas came back to Barcelona, and it never really worked out. And, and why was that? Why this decade it was, it was supposed to be owned by Fabregas? Why did it never happen? Because I think Guardiola felt the need to change his system to put him in. And the system worked without him. And, you know, he should have been a backup to Iniesta or a backup to Xavi. Because, to be honest, he could have done both the roles, um, obviously, at a different, in a different way. But the thing is, Guardiola, I think, felt the need to experiment and, and change the formation for him. Um, so it became more of a 3-4-3 at times. And... Um, it just just didn't work out. Also, I don't think his attitude was as good as it should be. Obviously, he came from Arsenal being like a semi-god for them, um, tried to push his way out for two, three years. And by the time that it actually happened, his, his production had declined. Um, Barca fans in particular, those at the Camp Nou and the locals especially, they don't really feel, and I still don't feel today, that we should be paying that much money for someone who was ours in the first place. So that price tag was always on him. It wasn't necessarily the amount of money. It was the fact that the, the, the price tag should have been zero to start. And yeah, he, he worked hard, don't get me wrong, but he never really connected with the, with the fan base once again. Yeah. And then some of the other snubs I, I had written down, at least, I thought about Samu Umtiti. I even could have yeah, thought well. about him at left back, but I think that would have been kind of cheating because he didn't really, we always figured he could play the left back for Barca, but he's yet really to do that. Uh, so from 2016 to 2019, he's already made 68 appearances, the same number actually. It's, it's weird to think of it, but he also being often injured has now played the exact same number of matches that Thiago Alcantara did. Uh, 68 appearances for both. In that decade, though, Mtt had two goals, two La Liga trophies, the two Copa del Reyes, and the two Spanish Super Cups, waiting for that Champions League for him because he was part of that big summer when you want to talk about some of the names of the decade that didn't work out. But Lucas Digne could have been an option at left back as well. Papa Acacer, Denis Suarez was at the club for two different stints this decade. So there certain were names there. And Artur I also had written down. But uh, again, he was a, he's a guy that hasn't really played enough and hasn't become the legend that I would need him to be uh, in the midfield for this decade. But it started, yeah. it started interesting. I've got another one. Yeah, go ahead. Thierry Henry played for Barca in the late 2010. Just 2010. Him and Rafael Marquez, I was actually about to mention both of them, that Thierry Henry, yeah. and I've, people have heard me say this on the show before, that he, obviously I would take Thierry Henry long before I took Alexis Sanchez for anything on this kind of list, but he only played that final season, or he played, really, really he left in the 2010 season, 
Uh, same thing with Marquez, and they both went to New York Red Bulls in MLS. So the reason I didn't put them on this list is because they really weren't of this decade. They had they kind of finished their star power last decade. And uh, again, Puyol did play into this this decade uh, for a few seasons, and so did Albi Abidal in a way that those two didn't. So yeah, that's why I kept them off the list uh, completely. Yep, agreed. Um, I think that. My team is better, though, Dan. <laughs> well, let's run through those final teams. Uh, then we'll end the show. <laughs> I just do want to talk about some of the best moments of the decade that we agree on. So our, the final count for the teams, uh, my front three consists of, I actually am putting Messi in the middle, as he was, again, a false nine for a lot of this decade. So <laughs> he's the false nine, Messi in the middle. And then I have Pedro out on the left. I have Alexis Sanchez out on the right. In my midfield, I have Xavi and Thiago Alcantara with Sergio Busquets in the Sergio Busquets role. It's become his own. My my center back pairing is Gerard Piquet and Javier Mascherano with my left back being uh, the, the ever useful uh, utility man, Adriano, with my right back being who else but Danny Alves. In goal, I have Ter Stegen. Now, Frances, your team consists of from your starting as your goalkeeper, Victor Valdez, and then in the back you have Jordi Alba alongside Eric Abidal playing the left center back position. You have the infamous Carlos Puyol as your right center back and Sergio Roberto as your right back. In the midfield, you have who else but Andres Iniesta, and then even Rakitic playing as the defensive midfielder, and then you round it out with Frankie de Young again. A little bit of cheating, but that's okay, Frances. I also did <laughs> win the coin toss, and I got messy, so you get Frankie de Young. That's fair. And then your front three, pretty deadly front three, I must admit, though. You did get David Villa, uh, who I'm assuming you're going to have to put on the right because you have Neymar playing at Neymar's yeah. position, and Luis Suarez, where else would uh, the big man with the, the big rear end go, but in the middle of the front three. So I think those teams, I'd say they're pretty fair, and one of us has a five-time, now six-time Ballon d'Or winner, and then the other one doesn't. So unfortunately, Frances, losing the coin toss might have been the thing that did you in. But we're going to let the listeners decide that. So we'll have these up on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, on Instagram, and make sure you let us know whose team you think is better. So let's actually, Frances, wrap up this show and talk about some of the... Actually, let's hit an ad break first, and then we'll end this show by talking about our favorite moments of the decade. So let's hit that ad break now. All right, Frances, so we can disagree on our teams, but I do want to mention some of the better moments of the decade. And we already did kind of allude to some of them with these players. And we're not going to rank these at all. Just throw out some of them. Uh, I've mentioned this. I think my top moment of the decade is going to be the first Champions League trophy that was won, uh, beating Manchester United. And when I say beating, I mean playing one of the, I think, the best football match that I've ever seen. I think most people have ever seen just dismantling and playing at that kind of a level in the Champions League final against another team that was supposed to be at the top of their game as well. And just embarrassing a team that was supposed to be just, again, built uh, and showing what has always been in, in the 21st century as the Premier League has gained its 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 star power and and all the money that goes into the Premier League. For the Liga to say, not only are we better than you, but we are leagues better than you. So you have all this money, but you better catch up. For a Spanish team to do that as well, I think just put the exclamation point on it. It was the height of Iniesta, Xavi, and Messi. And so I think that, for me, is why so many people love Barcelona. And, you know, 2011 Champions League final, I love that. I agree. (laughs) You've taken mine. Well, what um, about uh, what about I the what, everything you said? Well, you you mentioned Neymar so much. So, I mean, what was special yeah, about the 2015? 2015, obviously, yeah, 2015. So, the 2015, not just the Champions League final, but the run up to it, the fact that um, basically the MSN strike force was 
at its peak. I think that obviously under Luis Enrique, that's when Barca began to slowly, but unfortunately, surely drifting away from the idealistic, romantic Guardiola game. Um, also, it was a time in which teams were beginning to learn how to play Barca, how to close spaces, um, how to press both Busquets and obviously Messi as well in order to in order to counter us, basically. And um, I think that the, 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 the deadly power up front from coming from every direction, you know, Luis Suarez had his peak, um, hungry from the fiasco at the World Cup uh, on a personal basis, obviously Messi starting to grow in partnership with not just Suarez, but also Neymar, and then Neymar's magic and freshness and unpredictability. Uh, that It was something very special. But the thing is, I personally, maybe the listeners can, but I personally cannot pinpoint a specific game. It was more of a, of a growth sort of transition from around January onwards that made that team unstoppable. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and I think we have to remember too, with Messi starting this decade the way he did, while it might have, you know, he had the, that one down season with Tata Martino, but Messi this entire decade has been a wonder to watch. There are, I think in this instance for Messi, too many moments to count. I think about the goal against Hadafe, we know what I'm talking about. I think about the goal against Athletic Bilbao, we know what I'm talking about. I think about the five goals he scored against Bayer Leverkusen uh, in the 2011-2012 season, where he just could not stop finding the back of the net. Poor Osasuna, uh, he felt like it felt like he scored 900 goals against Osasuna in those two legs that that, <laughs> that season. Messi against just so many terrific moments from him uh, this year. Uh, well, actually, I have to say personally, one of my favorite moments of this decade was on my honeymoon at the Camp Nou, finally getting to go there in 2017, and Messi scored against Celta de Vigo, and I got to see it with my own eyes, and I'll always be able to tell my kids, hey, I saw Messi score at home at the Camp Nou. It was a weird Saturday afternoon game, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of families, and it didn't have that same raucous atmosphere that a night game might have, but still, that crowd was up to it, uh, and, you know, Messi really is that magical particularly in person. So I think my favorite moment of the decade, other than the, the matches I watch on, on the TV or on my computer, is the one I got to see in person. Uh, again, for my wife and I, again, on our honeymoon, getting to having Messi join us on our honeymoon <laughs> in his own special way uh, was certainly my favorite moment of the decade. But I, I think the other thing we have to mention, we already mentioned it when we talked about Roberto, was the Romantada as well. I think all Barcelona fans will remember where they were when that happened where it all was lost. Cavani scored. I mean, because that match was already over. And then Cavani scored, right? Barca were already buried. And then PSG put back one more. And then, you're right, Neymar happened. And Neymar was there. And Neymar scored. And then it just kept happening. And then Roberto puts it last in. And I, my, my chin was beyond the floor. It was in the basement's basement. Sub-basement, I think is the word yeah. for that. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to take anything away from that game, but it meant nothing, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> Sorry to finish in a downer. But that game, to me, meant nothing. It, it was remarkable to see, and it was a great celebration. And everything that you just mentioned, yes, of course, 100% granted. But it didn't generate a title because we messed it up in the very next round. So, unfortunately, that's not one that I hold as high as it probably should be because of those 90 minutes of football. Uh, because it generated no silverware at the end. Um, as I said, my moment of the decade was being in London with my brother and, and uh, you know, wives-to-be at the time, um, watching the 2011 final when Villa and Pedro and Messi scored pretty much every goal coming from La Masia and a team that was 
playing the right way under the La Masia principles that Cruyff um, instituted so many years ago. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, actually, I actually want to mention too that another moment of the decade, speaking of La Masia, uh, I can't believe I'm mentioning Jeffrey Suarez on the show that we're talking about the decade, but I take you back to November 2010. This decade, not, I mean, obviously it was November of that year, but that first year of this decade, 5 nothing. That's when the PK puts up the five fingers. Xavi, Pedro, Villa has two, and Jeffrey in the 90th minute, and 5 nothing. They put Real Madrid away, and that started what has been, it hasn't been utter domination from Barcelona in this decade, but, I mean, Real Madrid still have not beaten Barca since the 2016 season, season in La Liga. Uh, it was just 2-1. They were able to sneak by there, but there's been the 5-1 in October of 2018, so last season, and Suarez had the hat trick. And then Messi, again, coming up late a few seasons ago, winds up scoring the goal he does, puts up that his, his jersey in front of the crowd and lets them all know that Messi, not only has he arrived, but he'll always own the Santiago Bernabeu. Uh, and for me, I mean, that was also a moment too that, yeah, it's a weird thing because the result of that match winds up not sticking with us. But the moment and that image of Messi, because he's a guy that he celebrated almost 700 goals in his career. And yet him taking off his jersey and pointing to that badge and letting everybody know where he stands and what club he plays for uh, is something that I'll remember as well. So, uh, yeah, I can't. There's so many there's so many moments. But I also mentioned one, too, about Eric Abidal lifting the trophy after coming back from cancer. It might be off the field, but certainly a moment to remember as well. For sure. Um, I'd just like to end the show hoping that the next decade is as successful as the one going. I think it's going to be fairly difficult uh, because of the fact that Messi, Chavez, and Iniesta, unfortunately, won't really take us into the next decade or the most part of the next decade. But um, let's hope that the success can continue. And, you know, even if we're not as successful as we have been, because that's going to be, as I said, very, very challenging, at least let's keep playing the right way. You know, let's keep playing. We haven't really played the right way this year. So, Let's just hope that the philosophy, the ethos, the, 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 the ideas behind in terms of football and who we are and who we represent or who the team represents, which is a community of football lovers um, that aim for success in every single game, that that philosophy continues into the future because that's what makes Barca unique and different. And uh, let's just hope at the same time that we have a board, that a board gets elected, that actually believes in the principles that made us who we are. Yeah, I mean, the good news I do have of you at the end of this decade is that, yes, while Messi will not be... Well, if Messi is still playing in 2029 for Barcelona, we're going to need a few more legs to help him press, but I think we're still going to be in good shape. But I want to remind you that 10 years from now, Frankie de Jong will still only be 32, and Ansu Fati will still just be 27. Frances, you and I might be doing this from our nursing homes, but Ansu Fati is still going to be just a 27-year-old, hopefully in his prime, along with a lot of those other players in La Masia that are up and coming. So the hope is always, uh, the future is always bright, rather, and hope is always in La Masia. So let's continue this next decade to hope that you're right, the board and everybody gets their act together. And for the podcast, I just want to end this show by being very sentimental and saying thank you so much for this 2019 season. And obviously season as in like the podcast where we started in 2017, 2018, obviously, Frances, you were away for a bit and I was able to get through with uh, a lot of thank you to a lot of the guests that helped me get through all of that. And it's it's been, a bur it's been a burden taken off me to have you come back and host uh, in to start this season for the, the year of 2019. Again, it's been a big help for me. I've been able to focus on a lot of different things behind the scenes with the podcast 
and in my own personal life, and it's been tremendous. So thank you not only to you, but to all the people to help me get through uh, this this part of this year while you were gone, uh, and then our listeners as well that continue to tune in, continue to give us good feedback, to see us on Twitter at the Barcelona Pod at uh, Hilton D13. You know where we are on Instagram at the Barcelona Pod, close Facebook group tvpod.link/slash group, the bigger group which is the Barcelona Podcast at barcelblog.com, the website barcelblog.com. Uh, and then obviously at the Patreon, they do the most of anybody just helping to keep this show going. TBpod.link backslash Patreon on YouTube. That also kicked off this year in 2019, where I started to make the YouTube videos uh, in March. And also, reminder, this year was also when I started to take on the Crick Take Match Review. So that would all happen in 2019. It's been such a big year. We also moved the hosting of Barca Blog over to a different website and worked with developers and all these different things. So 2020 will be even more exciting. I've got a bunch of announcements uh, ready to go for the new year. It might be some changes, but I hope they're all changes that make this podcast get better and help me and Frances to continue to make great shows to have in your ears. So uh, Frances, I know you're going to take the mic for a second and give your thank yous as well for this year. But I think for my year, I not only you and the listeners and everybody involved, again, the, the Peñas, and everyone who helps with this Barcelona community. I, we could not have this show without any of you. And uh, also a special thank you, not only to all my work, my friends, uh, and, and my family who are willing to deal with the time, but right now it is 5.25 a.m. on the East Coast, and my wife gets up for work in about 20 minutes, and she has been steadfast in helping me, supporting me, uh, and she is going to continue to be helpful to me in 2020. So a special thank you to my wife as well for being just the number one fan of the Barcelona podcast. Sorry, everybody else. Yep, and also being able to keep the, the podcast alive uh, is obviously Dan yourself, but Rosie has done fantastically well behind the scenes. Um, there was a lot of work that I used to do in the first couple of years, that then when I moved here to the Middle East in Qatar, um, I couldn't do. Um, I moved the whole of the family here with my two babies. And, um, you know, time differences. I can't really, I hardly ever watch the games live because they're, you know, midnight or past midnight. And uh, I have to wake up at five in the morning for my other job. And it was hard. But, you know, after the first year was pretty much finishing, I I managed to get more established. and And we managed to work out a time that works for, the, both of us uh, seems to be around 7 p.m. on a Monday or a Wednesday for me. And uh, you, as always, have been adapted and, and making sure that, that things work. Uh, as I said before, I think the podcast, without your, without your magic, without your organizing, without your number crunching, without your promoting uh, and, and sort of vision, wouldn't be alive today. Um, but th- at the same time, it wouldn't be alive without the listeners. Um, I think that the, the, the amount of people listening to the podcast has been um, at least steady, but then also growing, um, particularly at several points in the season. Uh, but keeping the show going during the off season, and, and you know when results are not that great or when Barcelona don't play that excitingly, that that's really tricky and hard. But I think that that you've done a great job, Dan. Um, if I can help, which I seem to be able to do lately, then that is great. I'm looking forward to continuing to do that next year. But um, I would say. The listeners are the ones that um, can help us take this forward. If you're still listening to this podcast today, please make sure you share this on your social media. And perhaps more importantly, just tell someone who you know supports Barca that they should start listening to this show if you think it brings any value to you, if you think that it keeps you updated, that it adds um, opinionated takes on things. Because, you know, nowadays you can get Barca information from so many sources. But um, I like to think that we do it in a different way, in a more personal way. Um, and also we speak as if we were fans. Uh, I don't think 
uh, definitely, definitely Dan doesn't. Uh, don't think any one of us sounds too big-headed or like know-it-all sort of thing that some experts on TV can be. So we're just, we're just fans talking about our favorite thing in the world beyond our families, which is Barca. And it's a pleasure to be sharing it with you for the last three years and to be able to do that next year for sure again. Yeah, I think you gave it away. So when people do share, I always ask, yeah, you're right about the listeners. Share when we win. <laughs> That's the key. Yeah. That is the special, special key. That's the secret sauce of 2020. Share the show when we win. So again, thank you everybody for all you do. Uh, have a happy holidays as well. Again, I, whenever you have this in your ears, uh, whether it's during the uh, before the new year or maybe even after. So again, happy new year to everybody. So thanks so much, as we've been saying many, many times, for listening to the Barcelona podcast. Until next time, we should have one final show before we say goodbye to the new year. Uh, to this year, until the new year, we'll talk to you soon in Barca Barca. Barca. Barca.